fellowship service with some great ministry. Very cool. So, uh, it's time to start a new series. I uh, was praying over the Christmas New Year break and thinking, well, what? We've done the book of John. And who loves doing that? I love going through verse by verse. I think there's something powerful when you look at uh, Scripture in its entirety, rather than... I'm not against picking some Scripture and preaching off that and doing it. That's fine. Uh, but there's just something different when you take the whole context of a book and, and, and follow right through from start to finish, and you really can allow God to speak to you what he's trying to speak to you in the context of the whole Scripture, uh, rather than um, picking and, and choosing. And, and so I'm going to do a series called The Simple Truth, because Christianity is simple when we think about it. I think as people, we tend to gravitate to making things complicated. Do you agree? Yeah. We add steps, we make things a little harder and trickier, we interpret things and, and, and add our spin to it uh, and, and make things real challenging. But the truth is, is that the message of the gospel is simple. And, and the book of Romans is an incredible uh, book to go through uh, because it helps us understand God and who we are in relation to God. And I think that's the very foundation of what we need to understand. If we understand those two things, wow. If we understand who God is, who we are in Christ, wow. We'll be world changers. And so I want to start with, I've got a video to start off with. Who likes the Bible Project? Has anyone seen those guys? It's called the Bible Project. And there's these guys that commentate and narrate through different... So I've just got a few minutes. I didn't want them to take the whole time. Um, but just let's have a look at this. Let's make sure the volume's up. Paul's letter to the Romans. It's one of the longest and most significant things ever written by the man who was formerly known as Saul of Tarsus. He was a Jewish rabbi belonging to a group known as the Pharisees, and he was passionate and devout to the Torah of Moses and the traditions of Israel. And he saw Jesus and his followers as a threat. But then he had a radical encounter with the risen Jesus, who commissioned him as an apostle, like an official representative, to the world of non-Jewish people called Gentiles in the Bible. And so he started going by his Roman name, Paul, and he traveled all around the ancient Roman Empire, telling people about the risen King Jesus, and forming his followers then into these new communities called churches. And Paul would occasionally write letters to these new Jesus communities to help them foster their faith or answer questions, and the book of Romans is one of these. It was actually written quite late in his career. Now we know from the book of Acts that the church in Rome had existed for some time, that it was made up of Jewish and non-Jewish followers of Jesus. But at one point, the Roman emperor Claudius had expelled all of the Jewish people from Rome. And then about five years later, all of those Jews, including Jesus-following Jews, were allowed to return. And when they did, they found a church that had become very non-Jewish in custom and practice. And so this created lots of tension. So that by Paul's day, the Roman church was divided. People disagreed about how to follow Jesus. They were debating about whether non-Jewish Christians should celebrate the Sabbath or eat kosher or be circumcised. And so Paul wrote this letter to accomplish a few things. He wanted this divided church to become unified, and for a practical purpose, he was hoping that the Roman church could become a staging ground for his mission to go even further west, all the way to Spain. And so these circumstances are what motivated Paul to write out his fullest explanation of the gospel, the good news that he was announcing about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. 
Now the letter is designed to have four main movements, but it's unified as one long flowing exploration of the gospel. The gospel, Paul says, first of all, reveals God's righteousness, and then it also creates a new humanity, which fulfills God's promise to Israel. And so it's this gospel that's going to unify the church. Very good. So why study the book of Romans? I hope watching that video um, helped you to pick up on that. But it is a book, as I've already said, that helps us understand God and who we are in relation to God. And if we have the right understanding of these two things, we'll know better how to live in such a way that pleases God. Because at the end of the day, that's all we want to do, isn't it? We want to please God with our lives, yes? Okay, two of you, that's exciting. So, so we want to please God with our lives, right? Yes. That's why we exist, that's why we've accepted, that's why you're in church. You want to hear more from Him and live a life that is pleasing to Him. Because God brings us fulfillment in life, and He makes the difference in the world around us. And so naturally, we want to please God in all that we do. And so Paul's letter to the Romans is widely recognized by not just everyday people, but also full-on crazy theologians that have studied for 10, 20 years, whatever. They would both agree that this book it is, is the single most influential document within the scriptures. And this book effectively speaks to all the key issues of the Christian faith um, and, and as it pertains to the gospel and what Christ came and did. And it presents the whole counsel of God. It's really important that you understand that. It presents the whole counsel of God. There isn't a bias or tendency to either, either like grace, law, Oh, it's just all about mercy and grace and there's no... It's the whole counsel of God together in one book and we need to read it in that way. Now, I've broken it up just for the purpose of, of the study I'm going to do and, and lead us through this uh, book together. Uh, broken it into five different sections. And, and the first one is Romans 1 to 2, the necessity of faith, the importance of having faith. And then it goes on to talk about God's forgiveness in the book, chapters 3 to 5. Experiencing grace from chapter 6 to 8. Jews and Gentiles, that's where a lot of contention, contention comes from because they argue over who, who the book's talking to. Like, the, the, oh, this just matters to the Jews and this just matters to the Gentiles. But no, it's about unifying the church. And, and Jesus spoke to everyone. He came to free everyone, not just a certain people group. And so that'll be good to address that. And then talking about a grace-filled church centered around unity uh, in verses 12 to 16. So as we begin this study in the Romans, you're going to become increasingly aware of the dynamic nature of God's righteousness as it is revealed in the person and purpose of Jesus. If you didn't have that already from going through the book of John with me, you're definitely going to have it by the time we're done with the book of Romans. You know, humankind, mankind, the world is in need of righteousness. Would you agree? Yes. We need that. It's such a wicked place that we live in. There's so many things going on that it's just evil. And the world needs righteousness. You know, if we were able to allow God to just infiltrate the planet in such a way that the world's eyes would be opened, what a different world we would live in. But the challenge is we live in a fallen and broken world. Our challenge is to be the light of Christ in all that we do and display the righteousness of Christ. So 
Paul carefully explains that neither Jew nor Gentile is righteous. Because there was an argument there too. Well, the Jews are righteous because they follow the law. And the Gentiles were there as nobodies. And there was a clash there as well. So, so God acted in Jesus Christ, providing righteousness for all. And that's where the Jews struggled. The, the, the law followers struggled to accept that because they didn't want to rely on this man that just come along to give us that, those things. So we follow the law, all 613 of them, and, uh, and we do the right thing. And, and so that must make us uh, worthy in the eyes of God. Uh, so there's a lot of um, conflict there. So let's move straight into reading Romans chapter 1. A servant's longing. Let's get into it. Verse 1. Okay. It says, Paul. And that tells you who's, um, who's speaking. It's getting there in the notes. Okay. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. That's the introduction to the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 1. And so you can reach Paul at paul.servingjesus.com. That's his email address. But, but Paul built his identity on being a servant of Jesus. That's what he was all about. You know, the word bondservant, Anita referred to it actually earlier. It's literally the word for slave in that culture, and it means one who completely belongs to his owner and has no freedom to leave. So you're not just a servant. See, a servant can serve, and uh, I'm sick of serving here, so I'll leave. But a bond servant, you are bound to that thing. That is where you'll be, a bond servant. Uh, and so Paul wouldn't necessarily want to leave what he was doing, but he uses this as an example of his heart. I'm, I'm just bound to this work of Christ. And, and he wore this title gladly. Maybe some bond servants aren't so happy where they're bound. Maybe they didn't get a choice in it. But in this case, Paul's made a choice to follow the one true God, Jesus Christ. You know, once Paul was free, God commissioned him personally to be an apostle in the work of the kingdom of God. And Paul told the Corinthian church, I am the least of the apostles who are not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. He says that in 1 Corinthians 15, 9 to 10. So he acknowledges from the outset, he's not worthy. He used to pursue Christians. He used to condemn them. He used to judge them. He used to ridicule them. But here he is now doing the work of Christ. He is, by the grace of God, he is being made new. He's a new creation. And he has a new purpose and a new plan that needs to unfold in his lifetime. The word apostle comes from a Greek word meaning one sent forth. So in the historical sense, to be an apostle meant to be sent forth by Jesus Christ. To build the church. You know, years before Paul penned his letter to the Romans, God gave a man named Ananias. You might remember the, the account and the story. It was referred to in the video. Uh, he gave him a tough assignment. God told Ananias to go see Paul, who was staying in the home of a man named Judas, and pray for him. And all Ananias knew about Paul was that he hated Christians. He wasn't a very happy man, quite grumpy. And Ananias wasn't prepared to be Paul's next victim either. He didn't want to, you know, 
suffer the, the consequences because of his faith. Uh, but God's command to Ananias was clear. God said, go. And so for his chosen, this vessel, Paul, to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So it's possible that Paul learned his first lesson in servanthood from Ananias. Because what a sacrifice he made. He risked his very life to follow the call of God to do what God had asked him to do. And so I just pray that we would have that same servant heart in our hearts. That if God says something, that we don't shy away because, oh, it's going to be a little bit difficult, a little bit challenging. Oh, you want me to do what? <laughs> and it makes us nervous and worried inside. But that we would be obedient to God's voice. And that when he speaks, we listen and we do. That we would be bond servants, bound to the very thing that God calls us to and outworks in our life. Martin Luther said this, the epistle to the Romans is the true masterpiece of the New Testament and the very purest gospel, which is well worth and deserving that a Christian should not only learn it by heart, word for word, oh, it's challenge, word for word, but also that he should daily deal with it as the daily bread of men's souls. It can never be too much or too well read and studied, and the more it is handled, the more precious it becomes, and the better it tastes. What an encouragement to just dive into the book of Romans and just get it into our heart and into our soul. Let's move on. Verses uh, 2 to 4 says this. <coughs> Which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. We're now diving into Paul's pocket-sized guide to Jesus. Paul began his letter with a brief yet very complete account of who Jesus was. And he sees an understanding of Christ as presented in the Bible and revealed through Jesus himself as the only truth broad enough to consolidate and unify the heart of God's message to humankind. Jesus was the only one that could come and fulfill that task. This is why Paul's compact statement of Christ at the start of the book of Romans about his nature, his lineage, his sonship, his resurrection, it's all bringing things to a very quick point that Jesus is Lord. Amen? On the human side, Jesus came through the line of David. So that's talking about Jesus, the human. But he was also declared to be the Son of God with power. And in this context, declared means to be determined or marked out. So Jesus was marked out as the Son of the living God. His divine nature was clearly demonstrated by his resurrection from the dead. And he was indeed the long-awaited Messiah the Messiah of Israel, the Saviour of mankind. That's who he was. So after years of ministering, Paul tells the Philippians his reason for living. He says it in Philippians 1.21, and it says this, For me to live is Christ. That's what he declares true life is. The essence of Paul's life was Christ. 
and his motivation for doing what he did, his goals, the way he treated people around him, everything about him revolved around the person of Jesus because Jesus had so magnificently transformed Paul. His life was completely wrapped up in the purposes of Christ. His servant heart, Paul's servant heart, inspired him to live submissively under the Lord's authority. The promise God made to, to, to David is a promise he made like to Paul. When, when Paul was on his journey on the road to Damascus, you remember the story? He was on his way to persecute Christians. He was on, on his way to condemn them. He was on his way to, 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 to bring destruction to Christian people because they were a menace. They were a pain. They were making too much noise. And he was on a mission. But he has an encounter like nothing else. A bright light shines. Wow. And he sees Jesus. And when he sees Jesus, we know the story. His life is completely and utterly transformed. It was the grace of God that touched him, that touched his life. God could have condemned him. He was such a bad man. But he showed mercy and grace. And Paul saw the true Christ, and he was transformed. Many of us have gone through that conversion experience. Maybe it wasn't a big bright light like Paul encountered on that very road to Damascus. But many of us have been changed from the inside out by Jesus. Many of us have had that experience. Can we go back to that moment and remember the excitement and remember what Jesus did, the fire that was lit within us? Because what happens to a fire as life goes on, it gets a bit smaller, gets a bit smaller, gets a bit smaller. Don't let your flame go out. Don't be the Christian since the days of Noah and, oh, yes, I've seen it all and I've experienced this and that and I know everything. Please don't be that person. Be the people that are hungry for Christ to move and do a new thing. Behold, I do a new thing, says the Lord. And let's be excited about whatever that new thing is. He's moving in a new and powerful way. You know, the story never changes, but the method must because we've got to reach a generation that is so desperate to learn about Jesus Christ. And we bring that same message, but in new ways. And we've got to allow God to speak to us about a freshness in our faith, how we can share the gospel in a fresh and exciting way, that God would use us powerfully that way. Let's continue in Romans chapter 1, verses 5 to 6, says this. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are the call of Jesus Christ. Anybody called here today? Come on, it should be all of us. We are all called to Christ. You know, the church of Rome was a body of believers made up of both Jews and Gentiles. And Paul's mission was to all nations, everybody. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. So Romans is therefore for everyone. He that is, is, let him hear. The Gospel was the Apostle Paul's introduction to grace and in his development as a follower of Christ, there's nothing more important to grasp than the understanding of the grace of God. And he wrote to the Corinthian church about it. He said this, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain, 
but I laboured more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. You know, the message of God's grace permeates every aspect of Paul's life. And every letter he penned to the churches, you can see the grace of God in his writings. Romans is about something the Bible calls a new covenant. A covenant is a promise. It's a new covenant. And through Moses, God had made an agreement, like a contract, like a promise, a covenant, with the Jewish people. And this contract, it's also called the Mosaic Law, was the old covenant, the old promise. Through Moses, God promised to bless his people if they obeyed him and to punish them if they disobeyed. But Jesus introduced a new covenant, a new promise. And the new covenant was predicted by the prophet Jeremiah, who said it would not be like the old covenant. God's people had not been able to keep the old covenant, and they suffered many troubles because of it. With the new covenant, God said he would change people from within, from the inside out, to make them truly good, because we can't do that ourselves. It doesn't matter how many laws you follow. You might even follow 613 laws of Torah to the T, but you are still sinful. You are still imperfect. And you can never remove that weight you all burden yourself. With the new covenant, God said he would change people from the inside out. Why? Because he can. He's God. And he makes us truly good. And Romans is all about the new covenant and key words you need to remember are righteousness and grace. They are key words that you must remember. We're going to talk a whole lot more about them as we journey through the book of Romans. Romans 1 verse 7. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, as this epistle opens, the book of Romans opens up, we're introduced to God's view, from a God-type view. We're introduced to God's view of the believers in Rome. Paul begins with a greeting, which acknowledges that these people have a special place in God's heart. Paul's Roman brothers and sisters were not called to be apostles as he had been called, but they were called to be saints, a word that was commonly used for believers back in those times. It can be used today. We're all saints. The words apostle and saint both carry the idea of being set apart or called to holiness. Tonight we're going to anoint people to just identify there's nothing special about it that I'm going to do or anything. It's just going to be symbolic of the nature of God within you that sets you apart as saints to carry the message of Christ in a lost and broken world. However God wants to use you, is that's, that's between you and God. But he wants to use you. He wants you to be a light on a hill. He wants you to proclaim the good news. And so we're going to anoint people tonight for that purpose, that God would use us powerfully. So 5 o'clock, you've got to be here. You're going, to, you're going to love it. God's presence and his sending of the saints. So the word apostle and saint can be used as a setting apart. And there was a scholar who said, 
the sainthood is not an attainment. It's not like, okay, I've been a Christian so long and I've reached this level in my faith and understanding, so now I'm a saint. It's actually a state into which God's grace calls men. God calls us. Saints are deeply loved and share in God's life and mission. That's what we do. And Paul's greeting demonstrates his recognition that all believers are members of one body, God's family. It doesn't matter what your culture is. It doesn't matter where you come from, what your skin color is, what your language is. It doesn't matter if you're a university graduate or a school dropout. It doesn't matter if you have squillions of dollars or next to no money, because it doesn't, God doesn't look at those things. But he calls us all to be saints, to share the message of Jesus in our world. God doesn't discriminate based on all those things. So prior to this, Paul had completed a number of missionary journeys in the eastern Mediterranean region prior to this writing. And that was quite a distance from Rome. And he'd been planting churches in a number of major metropolitan centres throughout southern and western Asia Minor, which is present-day Turkey, Greece and Albania. We're going to finish this morning praying for, for that region because of earthquakes and devastation and, and things that are going on there. The Roman Empire indirectly helped to spread the gospel and helped it to travel throughout the region. And it was fairly easy simply because the roads were good, the language was unified, so it was easy to communicate, and people were free to travel without fear at the time. So it was easy to spread the word. Rome was actually heavy on Paul's heart while he was traveling, but he wouldn't be able to visit the city until the second stage of his church planting agenda. And, and Paul deeply wanted to spend time with the believers in Rome, but instead he planned to do that later on his way to Spain. So instead he writes and pens the book of Romans. Paul longed to go to Rome to meet the saints there and minister to them, but due to the many responsibilities of the day, he was prevented from doing that. And so this letter was a way of serving the believers in Rome, even while he was physically absent from them. Now, letters are still a wonderful way to communicate. Who writes letters? Does anyone still write letters? There we go. Look at that. No, I'm not talking about emails. I'm talking about handwritten letters. Yeah. If you haven't written a handwritten letter for a while, maybe you should try it. Send it to someone. They'll go to their mailbox one day and nearly fall over. Because <laughs> we don't send letters anymore, do we? Email, text, Facebook Messenger. That's how we communicate now. Gone are the days of pen pals and, and sending letters to the other side of the world, but maybe you should start doing this. Because letters are a great way to encourage a friend, build a relationship, even serve the kingdom of God. Give it a try. Everything depends upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen? Nothing under the sun can be done without relying on and leaning into the finished work of Jesus. If we do it in our own strength, it's not its not of God. We don't need God if we're doing things in our own strength. But we will achieve the miraculous and the most wildest of dreams in your heart when we lean in 
on the finished work of Christ. This is the divine power behind God's work of grace. Because God has no alternative plan. There's no plan B. There's no some other idea that's going to happen down the track. The gospel of Jesus Christ is God's concluding message to a needy, sinful world. And Paul discerned that his major mission was to plant the seeds of the gospel as far and wide as the Spirit would lead him. And he saw it as God's answer to our enslavement to sin, to self, and to Satan. There's a lot of S's there. In Christ Jesus, God has entered history as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We need Jesus. We need so much more of him. Tonight we're going to press in so much into his presence. Because we can't, without him we can do nothing. But with him, wow, the things that God will lead us to, the journey that he will take us on, the journey he's taking this church on, as we press in and lean in to Jesus Christ, our cornerstone, the one in whom we trust, Jesus over everything, the way we started our service this morning, singing that song. It's not just a, a, a cheesy lyric. It's actually our heart of Vineyard Christian Church. Jesus over everything. Over our relationships, over our... I'm not talking to you. Over relationships, <laughs> over our businesses, over our jobs, over our families, over our friends, over our challenges, over our problems, over our victories, and over our defeats. Jesus over everything is our prayer and our heart here. Let's finish looking at the screen. Thank <laughs> you.
as a measure of chaos. It takes the form of that little niggling thing that's in the back of your mind that you're hoping you can suppress. Or maybe it takes the form of a mistake you made that you're still hard on yourself to this day and you haven't actually forgiven yourself. Or maybe it takes the form of a, a disagreement between friends and, and, and there's been no forgiveness there. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe words have been said that have discouraged you. Maybe it takes the form of, of lack in your life and you're angry about that. You're disappointed, you're upset. Why, why, why do all those people get the blessing and, and get what they believe for and I'm still here? waiting for my breakthrough. That measure of chaos can take many different forms in you and me, but it's there. And today I want us to acknowledge it just one more time. Because then we're going to place it under our feet. Because Jesus died for you and for me that we could be free from the chaos, free from the confusion, Free from the doubt, the anger, the disappointment, whatever it is that's manifesting within you today, you can be loosed. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. So you're in the right place today. So why don't we all stand to our feet? And if there's something that you need to be loosed from today, I want to challenge you to step out to the front and lay yourself at the feet of Jesus. And just say, come and, 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 and move in my life. Touch my heart. Do something in me today, God, that looses me from this chaos. Just come. Start to come out the front if that's you. Feel right across this. Feel right across if we can. Just come. Jesus wants to loose you from those chains today. In Jesus' name. Come and be made free. Hallelujah. business in your heart today, to break every chain, to loose that bondage. It's no longer I that lives, it's Christ that lives in me. And today we're going to pray and believe that whatever has caused you to come out the front today, whatever the chaos is that's going on in your world, that there is power in the name of Jesus that will break every chain. Ladies, come over this there's room. There's room. Let them in. <laughs> There's lots of room. Lots of room. Reach your hands out towards these people. I'm going to pray for them this morning. We're just going to believe for chains to be broken in Jesus' name. Father God, I thank you for my sister, Lord, that you are going to break every chain of chaos and confusion and doubt and burdens. Lord, may they go in the name of Jesus for this, my sisters. We believe, Father God, that we're going to break every chain. Set them free today by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father God, may they no longer carry these burdens. May they no longer carry these weights. But, Father God, you would loosen them. That you would make them free in Jesus' name. Father God, that you would touch and that you would bless. God, that you would just release the burden. Lord, we no longer carry these burdens because you have brought breakthrough in our lives. So bring breakthrough to each one today, we pray. By the power of your Holy Spirit, touch their hearts, I pray in Jesus. 
name and loose them from every chain. We declare that there is power in your name, Jesus. There is power in your name to break and to loose and Lord, to bring freedom. And so Father God, we impart the presence of God into their hearts today by the power of your Holy Spirit. Loose and break every bondage. We speak freedom. We speak freedom in Jesus' name. Freedom. No longer in chains, no bondage, but freedom in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Be loosed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I pray.